Welcome to the C3 Coffs Harbour podcast. Today's message is a recording from our online service. To join our online church community, visit c3ch.online.church and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the message. We've just started a new series three weeks ago called The Standard. And if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to jump onto Spotify or iTunes and listen to week one because it really sets the tone and heartbeat of what the next few months in the life of this church is going to look like. In week one, what we looked at was challenging, first of all, identifying and then challenging the sources which, with, with which we draw our worldview from. The sources that inform the way we think, inform the way we behave, inform the way we make decisions. And all of us have those sources. None of us are independent islands of awesome, unique, independent thought. We are all influenced by something or someone. And there are often multiple influences that shape how we view the world, that shape how we view other people, that shape how we view ourselves. And so my question was, are those sources reliable for you to to form a worldview around that actually is going to help you in your life? Because if you form your worldview around media, then I don't think the media has got the substance enough to give you a life of freedom and flourishing. It doesn't. It will bind you. It doesn't bring freedom. And so we looked at the goal of, of a Christian, the goal of a follower of Jesus is to do three things. That's four, three. First is to bring glory to God. You read all throughout the scriptures, the glory be to God. First of the Ten Commandments, there should be no other God before you. The second thing that should be fruit and evidence of our life is that we would do good for other people. And we shared about last week when we talked about go and change the world, we can change the world. That doesn't necessarily, it might mean someone inventing some incredible thing that literally changes the way everybody behaves in this world, but, but we change the world by being kind to our neighbor, by being compassionate to someone in need, by, by helping someone, by just being a decent outward focused person. So we bring glory to God, good to other people. And ultimately the fruit of a Christian is someone whose life is filled with joy, that our soul is filled with joy. And so what we looked at is, if that's the case, then Jesus is, if we're Christians, has to be the the source we go to. Because until Jesus, when Jesus becomes the standard, we become disciples. So as long as something else is the standard for how you think and the standard of how you behave and the standard of how you live, you won't truly be a disciple of Jesus. You might be a Christian, as in that you tick the box that that's the religion you follow. But the tipping point that takes someone from a Christian to a disciple is when Jesus becomes the standard and everything else pales down the priority list. And so if that's the case, then what does Jesus teach? What does Jesus think? What did Jesus model for us? And so now we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. One of the greatest pieces of literature, one of the greatest messages ever preached. Like this is like TED Talk on steroids. This is, this is God himself come to earth in the form of human to tell us how his kingdom works. That's amazing. And so if we're truly going to be disciples, if Jesus is the standard, then Jesus must inform the way we think. He must inform the way we make decisions, the way we behave our life. He must become the standard. 
And so last week, uh, we looked at the first of what, we, what they call the Beatitudes, and it was Matthew uh, 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of heaven. And so we unpacked what does it mean to be poor in spirit, and it doesn't necessarily mean um, blessed in the spirit are the poor. That's not what it means. We can misinterpret that because that, just because somebody's poor does not mean that they are somehow more rich in their spirit, that, that there is no distinction, spiritually speaking, between someone who has a lot or someone who has little because it's about the heart, and that's what God sees. So blessed are the poor in spirit are those who pour out, themse- pour out all of themselves in order to be filled up with all of Him. Those who release themselves of the standard they've held in this life to take on Jesus as the standard. Those who pour out the old wine that is in them from their old nature to allow the new wine of the Holy Spirit to flow in them to produce the life that God has for them as His disciples. So today we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. The next part of Beatitudes um, Beatitude simply means the blessed life or blessed. And when we, when we read that, we, we think you know, in our 21st century Western culture that blessed is something external. Oh, that, they drive a nice car, they're blessed. They've got a really great career, they're, they're, they're blessed. Man, they dress so super sharp, what a blessed life they live. But first century culture, it's internal that would determine someone's level of blessing. Internally, Blessing, this, this, this word blessing we, meet, we, we read in the Beatitudes, blessed are the blessed, simply means that someone who has received or will receive divine joy and perfect happiness. Something that only God can give internally into the heart of his creation. So these blessed things, these, this blessing that we're talking about is not necessarily some external thing that we can receive and tangible thing that we enjoy, but it's more of an internal peace and divine joy that only God could put inside the heart of people. And so here we find ourselves, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall receive comfort. Now, this is not a confusing piece of Scripture. This, I mean, I could if I wanted to do just for the sake of creative purposes, but it doesn't need to be drawn out in a 30-minute message to help you see different angles of what it is to mourn and what is the biblical definition of comfort. And I could do those things. But sometimes Scripture and the meaning of Scripture is as plain as it is written. Blessed are those who mourn. Divine joy and perfect happiness are given from God to people in their time of mourning. And the promise is that they shall be comforted. By what? By God's divine internal blessing. By an assurance in their spirit of who they are in God, who God's created them to be, and who, what He has for them as His children. God does not give bad gifts to His children. He is a good father, not a bad father. And so this morning I want to do a couple of things. I want us to do a lot of reflection, and I want us to do a lot of receiving. Reflecting upon our life and receiving what God has for us. Um, this, this week was tough for me, if I'm to be brutally honest. Because what's happening in this moment now was, was birthed in my spirit on that carpet tile there at about 8.15 this Monday morning. When I came in and put some worship music on and started to pray for this Sunday, pray for you. And I love that you're creatures of habit and you sit in the same seat every week because it makes me remember you. 
so I can pray for you. Oh, that's where they sit. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So if you change seats, you're going to mess up and you might not get a prayer. So that's all I'm saying. You might not get prayed for. But I'm praying. I'm just, God, speak to me. And so the three worship songs we did this morning are the three worship songs out of the 12 I listened to that morning that God said, that's Sunday, that's for Sunday, that's for Sunday. So I texted Pete and said, dude, any chance we can do these songs on Sunday? He goes, that's the exact song list Pete sent me a couple days ago that he wants to do for this Sunday, that Jono sent me. So like, oh, okay, so there's a bit of a Holy Spirit connection happening with, with John. And how amazing was worship this morning? Incredible. And so I started to have visions while I'm praying and of those who are sitting here today who in different areas of their life and different aspects of their life, there's, there's a mourning going on. There's a grieving going on. There's, there's a loss. And just seeing not a one day down the track they'll encounter the comfort of God, but in their seat today, they'll encounter the comfort of God. That the blessing of heaven would fill their soul in such a way today that divine joy would enter their life. I could see that happening all over the place. And I could see people thinking about times in their life where they've gone through seasons of mourning and it's been really hard and tragedy has struck or or crisis has hit and they have felt the comfort of God in those moments. And I could see people giving testimony of the goodness and kindness of God in the situations that would help those who are mourning today to open the heart to receive the comfort that God has for them. And it's funny, you know, like, so that's what I'm seeing in my spirit as I'm praying on Monday. And then as much as I would love just to pray all day, every day, there are actual stuff that needs to happen in the office and stuff needs to, work needs to get done. So I go upstairs and, and one of the tasks I've been avoiding doing because it's just like pulling hen's teeth is moving all these old files um, out of an f- old filing cabinet into this new filing cabinet. I've just been delaying it and I thought, you know what, today I'm just going to do it and get it done. And so as I'm transferring files, I'm going to throw those out, get rid of those, I don't need those anymore. And I just came across some old files of years ago when um, we did like a church report, review thing, and people filled in what they loved about church, what they didn't like about church. And then, and then I stumbled across all these old emails that I had received um, not long after we started pastoring the church. And, um, and they were very unkind. Um, things that were that were said and, and written to us and people that would say how dare you put your wife on stage to preach if she's up there again with our family's never coming back think you know really lovely stuff that we um god bless them so so all the emotion from back then came flooding into my heart and i forgot about the faith that happened here just a few 40 minutes earlier and i felt um is that okay if i'm dishonest I could just lie and tell everything's awesome, but, but I just want to be real. Um, I felt all my confidence just get zapped out of me. It took me right back to that place of insecurity, of fear, of, of not being good enough. Oh man, I just felt generally discouraged, is what I felt in my spirit. Only minutes after coming out, upstairs from being down here feeling filled with faith and confidence about what's going to happen on this day but then it's funny the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy and in that moment I wasn't quick enough to identify it so I allowed myself to get well with me and start self-doubt all that sort of stuff and then 
I'd finished filing that away and thought, oh, all right, fine, I'll go and respond to emails. I'm responding to some emails and I look down on my email folder. I'm like, man, there's some folders here that are like 10 years old. I've got to delete some of this stuff. As I'm going through deleting old emails, old folders, I stumbled across the actual emails of the files I just read on, in hard copy. And these are about different issues altogether. I'm like, oh my gosh. I just say, you know, this doesn't happen all the time. Like, this not, I'm not like constantly getting hate mail and stuff like that. <laughs> you guys are generally very kind to us and lovely and encouraging. So, and it's no one in this room, so it's all good. Um, but then I had this, this wave again of my confidence just being like punched out of me, like being winded in my spirit, probably the best way to describe it. Um, and so I just sat there for a bit. And I was like, man, delete those emails. I don't need those. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's awful. I just got rid of them. I thought, oh, I need something that's going to make me feel good. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go home. And there was leftover pizza in the fridge from the night before. And I, and I was at home with Oak. And I'm like, I'm going to go home and binge on cold pizza and hang out with my boy and have some lunch at home. And that will bring me some joy. And, um, and also Anna, because she brings me joy as well. Um, yeah. And so I did that. I went home with you know, my spiritual tail between my legs and was just like feeling really sorry for myself. Had the cold pizza, which is always better the next day, by the way, let's be honest. And had some ginger beer, even though Anna hates oak drinking that. And I was like, you know what? We're going to guilt eat together and, and whatever. As I'd finished, my phone rang. And it was just a random number. And... I normally don't like answering random numbers because it's like, oh, whatever. But I just felt, answer the call. So answer the call. And without going into detail what that call was about, basically that call could not have been a more God-appointed time of confidence boosting that I could ever need of someone far superior than me calling me out of the blue just to affirm me in my identity to give me confidence and remind me of who I am and the skills that God's given me and the spirit that is alive within me to do what God's called me to do. And as quickly as I felt my confidence get punched out of my spirit, I felt God's spirit put it back again. And as quickly as I went from feeling like this mourning in my spirit, I felt the comfort of God that propped me back up again and I felt good. And that happened probably, not to that extent, but similarly back and forth all week. And it's because we don't wrestle, wrestle flesh and blood, right? We're, we're in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle going on right now for your soul, for your life, for your mind, for your family, for your workplace, for your finances, for your health. There is a battle going on. The enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you, to tear you down because you are a representative of the Most High God. You are created in His image, and that upsets the enemy. So if he can tear down your image and make you think less of yourself and tear away the things that remind you of God and the goodness of God, then he'll have you exactly where he wants you, impotent and lifeless. But God comes and Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. We've got to remind ourselves of that. And I say all that to say, I'm, I'm ready for you to receive comfort this morning. I'm ready for the Holy Spirit to have such a profound impact on your mind and on your soul and on your spirit today that, that you will literally 
have your world changed, that you will literally walk out different than what you walked in this morning. So here's what I want to do. Two things I want to do this morning. First of all, I want people to think. Think of a time where you've felt mourning, grief, despair. Maybe you want to close your eyes and just think about a time where you've felt those things. Maybe it was a lost of a loved one. Maybe it's the loss of friendships or a career. Maybe it's something that happened in, in, in business and you just lost a lot. Maybe it's there's mourning in, in, in your health. Grieving for what once was. I know people that mourn over their past life, like they start a family and have kids and there's a genuine mourning process of the freedoms they had as individual people without the responsibility of children and there's this wrestle for, in some instances I've seen people wrestle for years in this place of mourning, wishing that they had the freedoms they had once then but they don't now because they've got responsibility. And all of those feelings are 100% valid. We are emotional creatures. Bible says there's times for crying and there's times for laughing, there's time for dancing, there's, there's different seasons that we go through because we are emotional. Where it becomes tricky is how we respond to those emotions, how we navigate those things. Do they control us or do we control them? Emotions are a wonderful slave. They're a terrible master. They will lead us to places that we ought not go. They'll lead us to places away from God. But if we control our emotions, then they serve us well to enjoy life and experience life. So think about a time. You might be still in that time right now, and that's okay. But this first thing I want to do is think about a time or multiple times, and then think about have you encountered the comfort of God in the midst of that or at the back end of that? We've just felt, man, the kindness of God's been all over this. Now here's, here's where I want to get really real. This is where we want to take it out of the locker room and let's, let's get on the field of, of life. Who'd be bold enough to say, just raise your hand and say, hey, I've experienced what you're talking about. I've experienced seasons of mourning and loss and grief, but simultaneously I've, I've also experienced the comfort that only can come from God in those moments. One, two, three, four, five. I can't even count that fast. Now I wonder wonder, 
would you, let's, let's open our eyes. This is where it could go incredibly well or incredibly wrong. But I wonder if anyone's bold enough to share those stories, to encourage us. I've just shared one story of me just this week. But as I looked around the room, there's at least two dozen people, maybe more, that raised their hand that could think of a time where they've experienced that. So who'd be bold enough just to... I know public speaking is not awesome. I do it every week and I still don't enjoy it. So I, I understand that. Let's call that for what it is. But, but there's something bigger than our fear of public speaking going on this morning, and it's the freedom of people. It's the healing of people. And, and, I, and I believe your story of encountering the comfort of God is going to help people experience their freedom and their comfort today. So I'm just after maybe three or four people who'd be bold enough to say, ah, just, and only like 30 seconds. It doesn't feel like a, a lifelong story. This is not a My Story Month sort of deal. It's just like a 30-second thing. We're just bold enough. Beth, awesome. Why don't you come? Can you come? My knees are sore and it's hard for me to walk around. You know, this. I'm 40 this year, so everything's just seizing up. Oh, thank you. legs turned to jelly. Um, I don't know when it was, three years ago, I was working as a, um, as a chaplain. So I had the perfect job, just going, visiting people, loving my job. And all of a sudden, I've, there was a shift. And I was going through a hard time as it was because I'd just lost my dad. My dad was very sick and I was spending a lot of time with him, feeding him at night. He was in the nursing home found out my brother had um, cancer at the same time and um, a year before, no it was that year my work was cut back. I lost my dad in August, he passed away and I wasn't actually here but I had to hand that over to God. I knew I wasn't going to be, I wanted to be in Sydney for study and I just said to God one day, he warned me and I said to God, I trust you. You know I want to be with him, but I need to go to Sydney, so his time is in your hands. And I went to... I no sooner left Coffs, I got to the airport in Sydney and I got a message from my daughter to say my dad was going to go, I should come back, and I said, Lisa, I can't. I've committed to this. Um, I've put it in God's hands. I trust him. And I was away till the Thursday... On the Thursday, so that was the Monday morning... God literally, I went to see my dad. I spent time with him on Sunday and had a great time with him. And, um, and then on Monday, it was like God waited for me to get to the airport before he went on end of life care. So um, that was okay. So I went away. I was with a group of chaplains, so I had plenty of support, had a great time. Got a call from my brother to say he was in hospital. He was really sick. Um... And then, so my dad passed away on the Thursday. I was due home on the Thursday night. And my brother, who wasn't really talking to me, texted me and said, I think dad's waiting for you. Within an hour, I got a message to say he'd passed away, which sort of devastated me, but I had this trust inside of me. And, um, and then, so I got home. That was okay. Then my brother passed away. So that was August. My brother passed away in um, December. And in that time, my hours at work, I, I'd sort of been pulled into line. Nobody else had, but I'd been pulled into line. 
And I thought, something weird is going on. And then I got an email to say that they wanted to meet me. They were just changing the structure of chaplaincy. And I thought in my heart, they're going to get rid of me. And when I spoke to some people, they, you know, family and that, they said, oh, I don't think the worst. But looking back, I realised that was God warning me. So I think when we put our trust in God, you know, it worked. We, we can fall back on that so that when something happens, we're actually prepared for it. So anyway, then I took some sick leave because some stuff happened and I just took time off work, which delayed this meeting. And when the meeting happened, he, like I was just told flat out, um, you've got a week where we don't need you anymore. And I thought I was going to work in chaplaincy for well past retiring age. And um, anyway, all of a sudden I'm without a job. But what that didn't hurt me because I was prepared for that. I knew, I felt that that was the way God wanted it to go anyway by the time of the meeting. But what hurt me was the way they did it. They didn't explain anything. They'd actually cut me off. They'd sort of, I don't know, just, just picked on. I felt picked on, <laughs> quite literally. So that really upset me. And for my, I even sent an email saying I felt like I'd been sacked, not, not made, um, whatever it is. What's that? Anyway, um, so, but I struggled. I struggled with the hurt of that, with the rejection and the hurt for months. I had counselling. I had, I had to see a spiritual director through work, which they gave me you know, at least they gave me five free visits for that. So I was having this regular counselling after it. But even after that, 12 months, two years later, I still had this pain. Every time I thought about them, I couldn't think nice things about these people, you know, and the people I worked with. And every time I thought of them or their name came up, I just think, oh, I don't want anything to do with them. Even though I'd forgiven and forgiven and forgiven, and one day I was reading a book, and it was actually a series of books, and they were novels, but they were written by a spiritual director. And it was a book about a girl who was um, very deeply depressed, and her auntie was a spiritual mentor and, and helped her through this, looked after her. But she'd been through the same scenario as this niece, and the niece said, have you ever shared your story? And she said no. So she started writing letters for her niece, and I read one day and it said something about naming the pain. And something clicked inside of me. And I thought, wow, God can use even a novel to actually switch that healing. So I had healing from that moment. I just, you know, I just fell apart and, and I realised I had to actually name the hurt. It wasn't just that I was rejected and things like that. I had to actually think about each thing that was done by each person and name it. And I was set free and I actually passed a lady I worked with who I didn't get on well with when I worked but I've, I felt like that she had a lot to do with my leaving and I actually passed her and we, we were sort of passing on the bridge and mind you, this person I didn't want to ever see and I was on one side of the bridge over at the creek and there was no room, she was heading this way and I was heading that way and I'm sort of staring, thinking, gosh, I think that's her. <laughs> I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And, you know, by the time I got to her, I never dropped my eyes. I never looked away. And I said, oh, hello, how are you? And it was she dropped her head. 
and said something. And as soon as I got past her, it was like I knew I was free. So it was just that pain. Even though I'd forgiven and forgiven and forgiven, I couldn't understand why I still had these very critical negative feeling toward these people. Thank you, Beth. It can take time. Like, that took a couple of years for that comfort, that healing, that pain-free to come. And, but that's the promise, right? Blessed are those who mourn for God, for they shall be comforted. So that's the hope we have. We hold on to that hope. We've only got a few more minutes, but does any, anyone else want us to share a different story of similar sort of thing? Or Hannah? Yep. Um, well, mine was when I was in my early 20s, but I, I'll never forget it. I used to struggle a lot with self-image and eating problems. And I remember I got I hit rock bottom one particular night. I remember, like, looking at my reflection and just truly hating what I was seeing. And, like, you know, it was, it was a horrible, horrible night. And it felt very dark. And I felt like I was, be- I was trapped and there were just demons everywhere. And um, so I had hit that point of desperation. It had been something I'd struggled with, again, for many years. But I think I had just I'd hit the point where I couldn't go on anymore feeling like that. So... Um, we went to connect group, we had our weekly connect groups and that particular night they said everybody let's just share exactly what's going on in your heart right now and you know again similar to Beth I just lost it and um, the connect group leader at the time she prayed for me and again I'll never ever forget this experience but she just like demanded that the um, claws on my head would be released and it was so vivid but the claws unpricked and um, I was free I mean again it was work but from that moment I was free and then again it was such a crazy supernatural experience that you, you can't really know until you've been through but uh, a week later we had prophecy week at college and um, a guy was doing it who I'd never met before and he said God wants you to know the claws are gone and they'll never be back and I was like whoa <laughs> so and I live in that freedom every day now you know 10 years later so so good So specific, right? And like God cares about the detail of our life and our world. And um, I just think too, like I'm just thinking, there's, there's the Bible is divine. It's it's sure it's written by people, but God's Spirit inspires men to write God's word. And so the structure of the Beatitudes, the order in which Jesus communicated these things. He's not a fluke or it's not random. Like he was going, oh, there's about eight things I want to get through. Uh, I'll do this one first. It's like, no, no, there's, there's an order and a rhythm to how God does everything. So he opens up, blessed are the poor in spirit, because that's where it starts. Those, he says at the end of that, blessed are the poor in spirit, those will inherit the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who is in heaven right now is poor in spirit. Because the only way to get there is by pouring out the old so that God can pour in the new. And the very next thing Jesus says is, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. One of the biggest issues we have against Christianity is people's perception of God. They think God is, is mean-spirited. They think God is harsh. They think God is a killjoy. God is trying to steal our individual freedoms and make us puppets and things like that. No, no, no. God is a loving Father. The very next thing Jesus says once we prioritize Him is that the Father will bring comfort. A good Father brings comfort. 
A bad father brings shame and, and condemnation on his children. And that's the, the lie that the world has brought in, the, this misperception about who God is. But God is our Father and He wants so desperately to bring us the comfort we need in our specific distress and hurt and times of mourning. All right, we've got one more. One more. One more 30-second share. Catherine, come on. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come forth. So good. One more thing. God does actually do this for men as well. Um, he does touch men and, and does mighty things in their lives as well. I, I promise you. Women just have more courage. <laughs> um, some, some 20, about 23 or 24 years ago, we left the previous, um, um, well, how do I put it? Anyway, very, very strict religious um, church that we'd grown up in. And um, we were really hurt by the response from people within that church. We were rejected like, you know how the JWs reject their people that they leave and we got that kind of rejection and horrible, horrible things said to us, terrible things, that we, our children will go to hell and, and, you know, all those kinds of things and that we're wicked and evil and anyway, and you get really hurt and also in the process... Um, my mother said some really horrible, horrible things to us too when we visited once. And, um, and you just get so angry and you get so hurt and you get so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got strength so I just hate, <laughs> hate builds up. And, but you also know that that's so not right way to respond. Anyway, so um, I know the process that we need to go through and one is to forgive um, but sometimes it takes a while. Like with my mum, it just took me off. I just put her... Because she lived in WA at the time and still and did all her life and I lived over here. And I just dropped all communication. Not, don't want nothing to do with you. I'm not going to talk to you. So for a long time, I wouldn't communicate with her. Eventually, um, I went through the process for all of it to just forgive. I mean, just Because I know how to, that what, that's what we've got to do. That's the first thing we've got to do is forgive. And, and that's a decision because it's not an emotion. You just can't forgive emotionally. That doesn't work. That comes, follows. And I forgave her with my, forgave them all with my, my decision, with my will and, 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 you know, and the strength of God. And then, you know, incredible things happened after that. But one thing that sticks out with the, pe with the people from that church, I started praying for them. I started praying that God would release people in that church because... I knew what it cost us to get out of there, but I knew what we'd received coming out. The freedom was phenomenal. So I started praying for them. I never heard anything, because you won't. They're not going to tell you anything's happening, which is what I realised later. But years later, through an unbelievable journey that we've had, but we were, we were on the other side of um, WA in a place called Esperance and met some total strangers. And... And boom, 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 through a story that we started sharing, they started sharing with us, they had led people to the Lord out of that church. It's like, what? We never even knew anybody was out of there. And then we discovered more and more people had journeyed out of that church. And I was into freedom and I was like, wow, that's phenomenal. So that was one thing that happened. And then with my mum, she ended up coming over and, um, and, and said, I'd like, to, uh, I'd like us to talk. I said, yeah, that's fine. And, and then we had a crazy, it was crazy, but we were in the middle of the plaza. And then, but I'd forgiven my mum, but I'd, we'd not yet um, met 
face to face on that one and she came in and, I, and, and she said I want you to come back to WA for a visit and I said well that won't be happening mum because um, unless I can be guaranteed that that kind of hurtful thing won't happen again because when you go back into the situation because all my family are in there if you go back into the situation you know you've you got to be really careful so and then um, I said, Mum, I've forgiven you a long time ago and I love you. And anyway, yeah, that, that, and that completely changed our relationship and we had a great open relationship and Mum was really good towards us for the rest of her life and understood and said, uh, you know, she, she also realised what she'd done wasn't, wasn't right and um, she was very, yeah. So that was a real blessing for us, you yeah. know, but it was a long journey. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's the, it's the decision to, to forgive and then just to trust God and to start praying for them. And then God comes through. Yeah. So good. Oh. Thank you, Catherine. So good. So disappointment, being treated poorly, health stuff, relational breakdowns. These are just the tip of the iceberg of stuff that we all face. And I think if we had time to go through the whole room, everyone would have a different story of a different area of their life where they probably had something similar happen. The common thing that is beautiful, no matter how diverse our stories might be, is the fact that we have a God, one God, who cares for us. And in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our mourning, promises us. Promises us comfort. And, and God's promises are, are such that we can hang a hat on that. Like, that's money in the bank. And, and for some, it happens fairly quickly. For others, it might take time. But that's a promise that we can hold on to and expect it to come to pass. And so that's part one. Part one was me just feeling strongly this week to have a, have a couple of people find those stories and share those stories. Simply so that all of us here can be encouraged that no matter what we're going through, we're not alone, that someone knows the pain that we might be going through at this particular moment. And three have shared, probably 30 put their hand up to say they've got stories, so let's have coffee afterwards and talk about those things and find those people. But here's the second thing I want to do in this moment is have a moment with God for those of us who are still in the mourning phase and have not yet received that full closure, that full comfort, that full healing. It might have been something that's happened this week. It might have been something that's really been affecting you for years. But there's still that lag between what has happened and how you're feeling and that resolution and that comfort. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our online services, visit c3ch.online.church and come say hi on Facebook and Instagram.